All right. So today we're going to have a, a continuing story of the saga of my balls. So this is your chance to turn this off before it's even begun. You're not going to say it. Somebody should. Let's talk about two times. Let's talk about but one. Yeah. You're asking the questions that nobody could. Like where the bone does end. I'll be in harmony. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode. As promised, my balls. So, uh, as you probably remember, if you've listened to this before, if this is your first episode, uh, welcome. It's pretty, pretty weird to start this far in, but here we are. Here you are, you might as well just deal with it. You're probably just sitting at work looking for something to drone on in the background while you do work that you don't really have to listen to. Uh, this is perfect for that. You're not going to have to worry about like an in-depth discussion of, uh, I don't know, what do people talk about? Benghazi? Benjamin Ghazi. Uh, a little bit back, I had a vasectomy. Now, I had this because um, I support Roe v. Wade. I support a lady's right to choose, even though... Some of you make really bad choices, but you know, I, I can prove to you that I support your right to choose because even though you make terrible choices sometimes, um, as evidenced by the fact that there's like a gigantic makeup store in every strip mall in the United States, but Hey, what, do, what, do, who am I to say the fact that there are like these crazy nail salons you can go to. And then just like breathe in poison all day so that your nails look nice and don't let your fingers function. Sure. I support your right to choose that. Anyway, it had nothing to do with that. I actually did it before that because I'm prophetic. I, I can see the future. This is like everyone with the Roe v. Wade is like Margaret Atwood was so prophetic with the Handmaid's Tale. And I'm like, she wrote like 50 books. And one of them turned out to be not really true, but uh, one aspect of one book sort of came true if you can be pretty generous with a science fiction concept as applied to reality. And everyone's like, bravo, look, she did it. Also, everybody, I'm like, maybe like the one book everyone talks about always just happens to be one that's also a, um, either a movie or one that they made you read in high school. <laughs> Everyone was like, 1984 is like about, uh, you know, the media and censorship and all that. It's like, we're living in 1984 when Trump was in charge. And I was like, I don't really think so. Or Fahrenheit 451. And I was like, I don't, I don't think you all read the same book. I think your high school memories of what that book was are very different. Uh, anyway, I got this vasectomy. And uh, so part of the process here is you have to, after a certain amount of time, you have to go and you have to bring in a sample and then you have to bring in a second sample so they can make sure that uh, you are shooting blanks, as they say. So uh, first thing you have to do is you have to call, <laughs> you have to call the doctor's office before you bring in the sample uh, because they have to make sure there's actually someone 
working that day who can accept the sample, I guess. Um, and, the, you know, they, they explained this to me, but they explained this to me after they'd cut a hole in my balls. So I was a, admittedly, it's sort of like if you were going to study for a physics test, but you're like, uh, every time when I went to study, some guy just ran out of the closet and punched me in the ball sack and then ran back in the closet. And then I would study. And it was like, I don't think that was the most effective studying environment for me, but I, I did what I could. So, and they were like, you know, you can, you have to have it tested within four hours or something. Cause otherwise I guess the sperm are dead, but that doesn't really make sense to me. Cause I'm like, well, shouldn't they either not be there or be there? And it's like, well, if they're a little corpse sperm all over the place, then I guess, you know, that it, it was not good. The vasectomy didn't take or whatever. But anyway, so you have to call in first, which is kind of weird. Because you sort of just have to have this conversation with somebody, uh, a, a complete stranger, over the phone before you go into their office to be like, I was thinking of jerking off this morning. Does that work for your schedule? <laughs> That's not a phone call. It's, I didn't even think about it really until I was making the phone call and then I was like, this is kind of an uncomfortable phone call to make. <laughs> Uh, if I were to jerk off today, do you have a, a laboratory scientist who can uh, accommodate that? You do? Great. <laughs> You're basically asking for permission. I mean, I guess you could still do it anyway. And then, you know, just not bring in a sample. But it's it's weird. It also feels a little bit like you're announcing to a stranger that that's your plan for the day. Which is also uh, not something I'm accustomed to. I guess there's probably somebody out there who experienced this and was like, that's my thing now. <laughs> I want to talk to a stranger on the phone and just let them know this is happening. Which would be the easiest phone sex job ever. Someone just calls you and is like, I'm about to do this. And you're like, all right, noted. See you later. So anyway, uh, that happens. And so then you're supposed to bring the sample in. So they give you a cup, you know, and it's like a, a medical looking uh, screw on top jar, which is uh, transparent, which I feel is a mistake. Because I'm like, why would you want that to be transparent? I could understand for certain substances. And I guess you want to know something's in there. But like, can you just take my word for it? Like, I'm not going to bring you an empty jar. I don't think that's a mistake that I'm going to... I'm not going to confuse this with my many other sperm sample jars that, <laughs> and bring it in. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not going to happen. I, I just feel for your sake it would be better, but whatever. So, um, it's in this jar, and I'm, and I'm supposed to bring it in. They gave me, like, a paper bag to bring in the sample in. But I, I have no idea what became of the paper bag. I, I'm guessing I threw it away uh, after my procedure. Because again, it was like, here's what to do with this paper bag. Uh, but you've just been punched in the balls. So you're kind of like, well, I don't know. I don't know, man. I've, my attention was elsewhere. So I must have thrown out the paper bag and uh, had to bring in this sample. And I, so I wasn't really keen to just carry it in in the jar. Uh, you know, and walk through the hospital with a sperm jar. That seemed weird. 
I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't necessarily want to do that with any kind of sample, right? Like if I had to bring in a urine sample for some reason, I wouldn't be like, here's my pee jar. And just, you know, you're in the elevator. Thank God, too, because I was in the elevator with like two grandmas going up up to the office. I'd just been there and been like, eh, hey, hi, grandmas. <laughs> um. So I was trying to find something to put it in. And of course, you know, I had like a, a plastic grocery sack, but I was like, I mean, that's semi-transparent. And also I was like, I think the point of the the paper bag, like the lunch sack, is that you can touch the top of the bag without like having to hold the cup. And it just seems like you'd be sort of holding the cup if you if you brought it in in a plastic bag. So then I found a full-size paper grocery sack. And then that felt weird because I was like, that seems like, you know, I'm bringing in a tiny cup. I mean, this is a cup, uh, maybe a, like it's like half the size of a mason jar, like a, a standard smallish mason jar. Or, you know, it's like a coffee mug, maybe a little smaller than that even. So it felt like I'd have this huge bag with that rattling around. And also it's like I'm handing this giant bag over the counter like here's my sperm sample. And they're like, okay, somebody thinks an awful lot of himself handing over like a, a gallon of sperm, which also, if anyone ever did that, I would just refuse to take it. I'd be like, just give us a portion. You don't have to give us, I don't know why this is happening to you and you should probably make a separate appointment to deal with this, but uh, you can just give us like a portion of your, uh, your production. Okay. We don't need a gallon. We don't need a, a large grocery sack worth. But anyway, I, I'm just not the guy. I'm not the person to be like, all right, here's my huge grocery sack. <laughs> then, so I was looking around for uh, vessels to put this inside of. I came across, um, I have some empty containers from Planters Cheese Balls that I, I have put like tools and stuff in and I was like, I guess I could use that, but I didn't really want to put it in a food container because I was like, well, what if the person accepting the sample is like cheese balls are my favorite food and now I associate them with someone's sperm. Wonderful. Because I also was like, I could like, what if I drove through Wendy's and then I'll put it in the Wendy's bag and I was like, that seems disgusting. Like I, whoever's opening this bag and then it's like the mingling of a Wendy's smells with a sperm it's like fries with a, a special coating on them that seems awful so i was like all right let's try and not do a food container whatever um so fine <laughs> i did think though like maybe this would be an effective way like let's say i was working the desk and i wanted to i was like i want to stop eating wendy's you know i eat wendy's and i, I need to stop uh for whatever reason Maybe it would be effective for someone to bring in, uh, I'd be like, bring in all of your samples in a Wendy's bag. And then that way, it's like every sample that comes in um, grosses me out on the Wendy's front. So eventually, I'm like, you know what? I hate Wendy's now. I can't, I cannot stand it. Can't takes no more. So that seemed like a possibility. Um, but it, it, I also did not know anything about the person accepting the sample or anything. So obviously I wouldn't know whether removing Wendy's from their diet was a, a desirable thing. And then I was like, maybe I should do Chick-fil-A. 
they seem uh, weird and religious. So maybe this is my my political activism for the year is bringing in a sperm <laughs> Chick-fil-A bag, <laughs> which would be hard to explain, but I guess it maybe it would get me out of any kind of discussion like that because I'd be like, you know what? As soon as I start explaining the story, people are like, yeah, you know what? Never mind. I'm just going to take your word for it that you're you're out there doing it for the people. Uh, so finally, what I landed on was a gift box. <laughs> so this is kind of like a white cardboard box. It's like cube shaped. I don't know. You'd, you'd probably get something like a jewelry in it, like a watch maybe would come in this. Um, but it was completely empty and it was opaque and it has a lid that, you know, just lifts off. It, this seemed like the best option, even though it also had its downside of, well, this is kind of like I'm bringing in a, a box of like, here's a gift. <laughs> it's going to look like a gift. Which did seem advantageous as far as walking through the hospital, I guess, because somebody coming to the hospital with a small gift makes sense. Looks like I'm just being a nice guy and, you know, I've brought somebody a get well soon gift. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, if anyone asked what was in it, I was like, should I come up with a thing that's in it? I could I could just say, I guess, a get well soon present. But uh, boy, is it not that. Boy, is it the exact. If, if I was in the hospital recuperating and someone brought me that as a get well soon present be like I don't think you know me very well I'm shocked that you would take the effort to do this and uh, be so far off the mark so incredibly far from what you should have been bringing so uh, I got to the air, uh, airport the hospital whenever I think of doing something I don't want to do I'm like it's the airport I get to the hospital and I was recording I put my phone in my pocket and was recording of course it didn't work it, I must have hit a button at some point or something, and it clicked off. So this was all going to be live audio of me handing this over. Um, but that didn't work out, so you're just going to have to deal with the secondhand retelling of the story. So I go up to the office, I go to the desk, and the lady's there, and she's like, do you have your sample? And I was like, yeah, and I was like, listen, I'm sorry it's in this weird box. Um, this is the best thing I could find. And she was very unfazed by it, and she was like, I've seen way worse. Don't worry. And I was like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah. Uh, I work at, I have been substituting at a, we have a clinic in Longmont. And uh, people are different there. Which is weird, because I never thought of Longmont as being like, I don't know, Hillbilly Central or something. But uh, she's like, yeah, so the thing is, I've had multiple people there just bring it in a jar, like in a baby food jar. Which, and she's like, I had a guy just come up and plunk down a baby food jar with a sample on it. And I was like, first of all, so many questions with that. I mean, I guess I understand it because it's like, well, I guess if you've got a vasectomy and you also have a baby food jar handy, uh, that, that's really a complete story, a full circle there of like, why did you get that? Oh, I see. Why would you have a baby food jar on hand? And why would you get a vasectomy? Both questions are answered uh, in the, at the same time. <laughs> but also, I was just like, what is wrong with people that they're just like, I'm just going to throw this down and we'll call it a day. 
You know what I mean? Like, you can't have any, any decorum. I'm not asking you to wear, like, a, a cummerbund and a bow tie to an event. Or, you know, I'm not like, oh, you need to button your shirt buttons all the way up to the top when you're going to go to this event. I'm just saying, like, can you put your, your jizz jar inside of something so we don't just have to look at it? That's, I, that seems like a basic human courtesy, doesn't it? I, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so then she just was like, oh yeah, if you'll put it in this box. And she had like a little box. I would say it's almost exactly like a flip top box that you put index cards in. And so I transferred it from my gift box into that box. And she closed the lid and that's the end of that chapter. So it turned out I was worried about nothing because I could have brought it in just about anything, including not in a box, because I just ended up putting it in another box anyway. Uh, and I would have been fine. Also, I guess I just didn't consider that, like, as worried as I was about being classless, the fact that I even considered it briefly put me way, way above uh, most other people. Or, you know, uh, let's Let's say I was firmly in the middle at worst, uh, using a gift box, which was a little odd, but nowhere near uh, bringing it in a baby food jar. Something about that, just, just the visual of it is gross, I guess. I don't know. Baby food is gross. Everything about it's gross. So that's the tale of my uh, my post vasectomy <laughs> that you were gonna get treated to a live a live uh, recording of. I was recording that as a bonus episode because this podcast is on Patreon. Because why the hell not? But then it's always weird because sometimes I do those types of things on the Patreon. But like the Patreon is like all family plus honorary uh, family, and. Uh, so it's all people that are like I'm reasonably close to and you know definitely know me personally and stuff so it's it's odd to talk to the the thing and be like here's what happened with my ejaculate everyone everyone who's close to me and it it gets into this weird thing of what's what's stranger saying that to a bunch of strangers or to like half a dozen people that you know really well I don't know what's worse because one is sort of like saying this in front of a stadium of people, like holding up a sign at a Broncos game of like, uh, this is the box I took my sperm to the sample place in. And then a picture of the box. And the other one is like uh, bringing it up at Thanksgiving dinner. Both weird. Both questionable motives. <laughs> um. So there you go. That's the tale. Um, okay. So with, with episode 500 upcoming, um, I have an update, which is that I got another email from another person at the uh, Genoa Wonder Tower who I guess is on their board or something and was like, I'm your contact for the Crock-Pot Drop. So, as you know, we're dropping a crockpot from the top of the Genoa Wonder Tower. Well, we're destroying a crockpot for episode 500, and we're kind of hoping to do it from the top of the Genoa Wonder Tower, but we'll have to see if that happens. 
Um, but so this person emailed me and was like, I'm your contact for the Crock-Pot drop. So I do feel kind of like it's working as far as making it seem like dropping or destroying a Crock-Pot for a 500th episode is like a thing. Not just a dumb thing that I made up, but it's like a thing because now somebody else has said it. Somebody else has been like the Crock-Pot drop, uh, which is pretty good. But then... Uh, Oh, I should, there, there needs to be some kind of joke here about episode 500 drops, you know, dot, dot, dot. Um, and was just basically like, so when, how do you want to do this? So you kind of have to start over. It did remind me of going to the doctor when you have a problem. And then they send you to another doctor. And then you go to that doctor, who you assume got the notes from your first doctor. And then you also... uh fill out an entire paper that tells why you're going and then a nurse asks you why you're going and then the doctor shows up and is like so why are you here and you have to explain everything like 10 times and you just want to make like a little video clip and play it on your phone every time and just be like I'm just going to do this on my phone because I'm tired of explaining it but I'm not tired of explaining the crock pot drop because that's fun that's not like going to the doctor but um so once again, I was just sort of like, so I want to go to the top of the tower and drop a crock pot off of it because that would be cool. I'll clean up and stuff. I just kind of need someone to let me in. They keep asking me, like, how long do you think this would take? And I'm like, well, I would be happy to record an episode inside the tower. But um, if that's, you know, if, if someone would rather come out for 15 minutes we could get this done inside of 15 minutes. They just got to let me in. I'll go to the top, drop it, and then uh, come out. And you could leave and I'll clean up after you've left even. You know, it, this would take no time on someone else's part. But if you're going out there, I would assume you might want to be out there. So I'm kind of like, you know, I can be out there for a shorter or a longer time depending on, uh, depending on what works for you. Or I could go out there maybe a time you're already going out there. There's also been talk of a donation, and I have no idea what level of donation they're thinking is appropriate. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, well, are you guys thinking like $5,000, or are you thinking like $200? What would be an appropriate donation? What kind of donations do you usually get? Um, so on and so forth. So anyway, that's coming along. And uh, as you may notice, this is episode 497, so we don't have a lot of episodes left to work this out. But I did. I came up with a plan, um, and I'm, I'm going to run it by you all as listeners now, I guess, and then probably hear from you about it in like three weeks when you get around to listening to this. And uh, then when you tell me you hate it, I'll have to decide whether or not it's still a good idea. Um. My idea is I'll get up to 499 and then if I'm not able to record uh 500 yet we're going to start counting back down. So we'll go up to 499 and then we'll go like 4982 or 0.2 or something or just another 498. And uh I guess we'll just count back down as long as we need to until uh until 500 is able to be recorded now in the meantime as well um in order to start counting back up i'm gonna have a list of tasks 
you know, like Hercules had to do a bunch of tasks, right? Such as uh, cleaning out a horse stable, which is probably the most comparable to what the sorts of tasks will be for this. And uh, what I want to set up is for listeners, we'll have to complete all of these tasks or me. Somebody involved with this organization will have to complete these tasks in order for the release of episode 500 to happen. Um, so I was thinking of trying to put together 500 tasks based on this show, <laughs> which was kind of challenging. I think I came up with a list of about 40 working on it one morning. And then was like, all right, I'm running out of ideas. And then I started just kind of scrolling through episodes to see what sorts of things I could come up with. But of course, when I was doing that, uh, you've probably noticed I don't do a great job of describing the contents of episodes. So it didn't really help me that much. Anyway, that's kind of where we're headed. And I did find this life checklist, uh, which is like, I guess, all the things you're supposed to do in your life. And um, I was going to go through that and see how close I am to completing life. And then maybe that would give me some additional ideas for Helpful Snowman or for you. Okay, so first is be born. I mean, check. That should be an automatic check, right? How are you doing this life checklist if you were never born? Um, again, it's a little bit of a, a conservative way in on Roe v. Wade, but okay. Take your first steps. I did that. I assume. Say your first words. I must have done that at some point. Learn to read. I did learn to read. Uh, I guess I, I went on like a crying jag with my mom because my brother went to school a year before me and he could read when he was like two or something. I mean, it was like one of those. I'm going to call him an idiot savant because he's my brother, so I can do that. But um, he could read very early and I could read averagely time. But so I didn't know how to read before I went to school and couldn't figure out how I was going to learn how to read. And my mom was like, oh, they'll teach you. And I was like, but how? And she was like, they'll, they'll teach you what the letters mean and so on. And I was like, but how am I going to learn how to read? It just seemed impossible. Um, yeah, and I, I had a minor freak out before I went to school for the first time because I was like, I'm never going to learn how to read. And, you know, this, would, this must be a tough thing as a parent because you're like, well, you're five, so maybe don't worry about, maybe we're not quite in uh, worry about that territory yet. Maybe if you cannot read in another five years, then we'll worry about it. But, you know, give your, maybe give yourself a little time. Uh, we've got make a friend. I've made friends. Fuck you, I have friends. Learn to ride a bike. That I did also late. Um, I don't know why it took me so long to learn how to ride a bike, but I have a very distinct memory of learning to ride a bike, which is, um, so my dad had this place in the mountains and, uh, he was real keen on me learning to ride a bike on, I think all of his kids learning to ride a bike because I think he thought that would get him out of having to drive us anywhere. If you wanted to, he was like classic dad, uh, mode when it came to like, if you had a friend who lived more than a five-minute drive away, it was like, oh, Jesus Christ, like, I don't know if you should have this friend anymore. My sister had a friend who lived a ways away from, you know, where my dad lived. And recently, I was going by that house, like, that neighborhood, 
And I was, you know, I was like, this isn't like close. But I mean, it's not like a fucking 20 minute drive here to get here. It's, you know, 10 minutes maybe to get here. <laughs> it's not like a horrible, arduous journey. <laughs> So it's like, I don't know if you're taking your kid over there and you're like, well, they're going to stay overnight here. I, it seems fine. But, you know, he was the kind of dad who would probably be like, you should consider finding other friends who are, you know, not so far away that I have to drive you. So I think that's part of why he was really into his kids learning how to ride bicycles. I did not have interest in riding a bike because I didn't really see a need for it. Um, because I liked walking. But whatever. So at some point, I think it took me long enough to figure out how to ride a bike that he was like, this is happening. This is really happening. So he had a place in the mountains and we only rarely went up there in the summer because it was like a, a ski town. But uh, we would go up there in the summer once in a while. Just, I don't know, because. And uh, he brought my bike. It was like, this weekend you're going to learn to ride a bike. It was like Bon Iver going to a cabin in the woods for the winter to write his album. You know, I'm going to emerge from this with an album. He was like, you're going to emerge from this a bicycle rider. So he's teaching me how and he's like pushing me, you know, doing the thing where you're running along with the bike. It really is weird. Like when you think about it, it's kind of difficult to learn how to ride a bike as a kid. Because you're like, well, you have to, you can't do it in the grass because you can't get going fast. You have to do it on a surface that's hard, which also means you get hurt more when you fall. Um, and you have to go kind of fast. Like if you're not going fast, the bike doesn't really work. So it's like, in order to do it, you have to do it dangerously. That's kind of the weird thing about a bike, right? Or at least it feels dangerous as a child. So I get going, and uh, the place he lived, it was this parking lot we were going through, and it was right next to the Snake River, and I was on the bike, and I couldn't stop, and I got close to the river and jumped off the bike, and the bike just ghost rode into the river, which at this time was, like, really high, and the bike was in the river uh, being pushed along by the current, like, the handlebars kept flipping over and the bike was sort of crawling through the current. And I, you know, I watched this happening, watched the bike be carried away by the river, and I had this tremendous sense of relief and was kind of like, you know, I couldn't have planned this better. This was genius. There goes my bike. I guess riding a bike is over. I mean, I, I could not have figured out a better way to get rid of this bike and get rid of the need to ride a bike and uh, just sort of get out of this thing I didn't want to do. Uh, my dad comes running from behind me and just immediately like jumps in the river. It's probably chest high on him and uh, fishes out the bike, carries it up the, the bank and then gives it back to me. He's completely soaked. The bike is all wet and he's just like, I'm going to go change. You keep working on it. And I was like, God damn it. And I will say to his credit, it was effective because at that point I was like, there is nothing else I think I could do to get rid of this bike. Like this is the, that was the best shot I had at never riding a bike again. And I think I blew it. So I guess I'm going to, I think I accepted that I would have to ride a bike. 
All right, next is read a book. I did that. I remember reading, um, we read a book called The Whipping Boy in first grade. I think that was like the first real like chapter book that I read, which was kind of a hilarious concept. If I remember it correctly, it was like about a whipping boy. So there was like a prince and it was like, well, you can't beat the prince if he does something wrong because that's like slapping God in the face. So what you do is you get a whipping boy, which is just some other kid who gets beat when the prince does something bad. And I'm not sure how they selected this particular whipping boy or whatever, but it was like, even to a first grader who was struggling to read and stuff, it was like, boy, this seems like a really bad setup. I mean, this doesn't really make a lot of sense (laughs) because, you know, the prince is like a little asshole who just like doesn't really care that this whipping boy is getting beaten. So he just continues to do bad shit. And I was like, you know, maybe like whipping this whipping boy as a punishment for the prince doing bad things when he doesn't give a shit about the whipping boy. Not real effective. Uh, next, I have learned to swim. I did that. I took swimming lessons when I was a kid and then I quit uh, because I was at the level where the next class was the diving class. And one day when I was at the swimming lesson, we watched uh a kid go off the diving board and did, I don't know, some goofy shit, hit his head on the board on the way down, and, like, the ambulance came, and they took him off on one of those backboards and stuff, and you're like, is that kid fucking dead? I mean, what's going on? And I was like, you know what? I don't think I need to learn how to dive. I think I'm good. And then I didn't really swim at all until college, when I took beginning swimming as my PE class, which is actually a pretty good PE class. I recommend it. Finish elementary school. I did that. I remember finishing elementary school, like at the end of elementary school, the teacher is like, oh, are you going to, you know, uh, occasionally kids who had graduated elementary school would like come back and visit. And the elementary school teacher was like, I'm sure most of you won't do that. And I was like, I'm totally going to do that. And then I did it one time and it was weird. Because the teacher is like, well, we have class, so we're going to continue class, but thanks for visiting. And you're like, "Uh, okay. And then I never went back. Never had a desire after that. Play a sport. I played a bunch of sports when I was a kid, and I hated almost all of them. But I did it, damn it. Fly in a plane that I've done many times on this show. Well, I drove to a place where you fly on a plane. I guess I've never recorded a podcast on a plane, which would be weird. That would be, that would be about the worst. Sitting next to me recording a podcast on a plane, I'm like, hey, everybody, here's a thing about my sperm jar. And, uh, people giving me looks and I'm like, if you could keep it down, I'm trying to record a podcast in this super noisy environment. Ride a boat. I have ridden a boat. That's, uh. I think an on is is good there because the next one okay before that is fly in a plane after that is ride in a train but this is just ride a boat (laughs) I guess this person knows what boating is about though which is uh, drinking ride in a train that I've done I mean I'd like to I've always fantasized about taking a long train trip Um, and maybe I should just do it sometime because I have a feeling that maybe it sucks It's weird because when you look at train tickets, I would think 
like to cross the United States on a train would cost like $40 because it's so fucking slow. Um, It takes forever. And you just, you know, you're stopped in these places. It's not like you're like, oh yeah, we had to change, change trains in Minneapolis. So we had four hours in Minneapolis. It's like we changed trains in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. And, uh, it took seven hours. <laughs> That's what what it seems to be like. So maybe it would be horrible. And then if I do it one time, I'll be like, okay, that was awful. Never again. It just seems expensive to me. Because I'm like, how come renting a... Okay, I could rent motel rooms and a car and take the t- same trip in less time for less money. That makes no sense. It's like, if this is just a rolling hotel, basically, shouldn't this be, how much, how much should this cost? I feel like maybe uh, train prices, cross-country train prices are based exclusively on like, well, here are people who are afraid to fly, so we can do it that way. And, uh, you know, here's, here's a grandpa who it's like, look, I'm not taking grandpa through the fucking airport. That's a nightmare. So let's put him on a train. So maybe it's like people who would just gladly exchange the money for not going to the airport, not going through that, and people who have all the time in the world. You know, I knew someone who came to the United States from Australia via boat because she's terrified of flying. So it's like, well, I guess if you're willing to spend like a month doing a trip that would take a day, you know, that's that's a pretty strong endorsement of not flying. Um, and wouldn't you think the train, I would think the train should be exactly halfway between a plane and a bus, you know, cause a bus, I mean, there is, and that's why I wonder about the romance of taking the train. Cause I'm like, it's basically a bus, right? It just already, it's got its own road, but it, how different is it from a bus? And the fact that they even allow you to book, like, let's say a 50 hour train ride on basically a bus seat. And they're like, even allow that to happen is kind of crazy. That would be like if the airplane had a standing zone, like on the subway where you just hold on to a loop, (laughs) Uh, ride a helicopter. I did that once when I was a kid. We went to uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin Dells when I was a kid. And there was, I don't know why, but there was a, like a, burned out Vietnam vet looking guy who was like had a bubble helicopter and was like I will take people for rides around you know it was like riding a helicopter through the suburbs that you are completely unfamiliar with there was no the only excitement of it was I'm in a helicopter but it's cool it's it's good because you can check it off a list see the ocean I've seen the ocean many times I, I used to think of the ocean as my enemy, but I realize now that the beach is my enemy. Because that's where the hot and the sun is. I don't care for the beach. Sea snow. I've seen many snows. Make a snowman. I made a snowman like last year. It was hideous. And uh, it was kind of embarrassing because this old woman who lives in our condo complex walked by when I was making it and said it looked nice. And I was like, I think she's just being nice. Maybe she thinks I've, I've got some kind of developmental disability because to say that this looks nice is crazy. Like, we both know this isn't true. 
finish middle school. I did do that somehow. Thank God. Never have to go back. Go to a concert. I've done that like a thousand times. I've done that so many times, bro. I haven't done it in a couple years. It's funny because I don't really miss it. I, I can tell you I've had two concert going experiences that I would describe as excellent. One was a, a concert at Red Rocks, which I hate, by the way. I hate Red Rocks. Everybody likes it because um, it looks cool. And it's like it's a Colorado thing. I guess if you're coming on vacation and you came here when your favorite band was at Red Rocks, it might be fun. But what no one tells you is like, here's a picture of, you know, you see those things on Instagram where it's like, here's the Instagram picture and here's the reality. And I'm like, no one shows you that the way Red Rocks works is you park along this road that snakes up this mountain um, and you just parallel park. Everybody's in a huge line of cars. And then the concert ends and it's like, well, you'll be on the highway in about 45 minutes <laughs> from now. It's a huge pain in the ass. They also, for some reason at Red Rocks, they go by baseball rules where it's like after a certain time they stop selling um, alcohol, which is crazy because, you know, even at baseball, I think it's like, okay, after the seventh inning, they stop selling beer. And you're like, so the idea here is I could have had 19 beers and as long as I have two innings to sober up, I should be fine. That's being responsible. <laughs> but, so one time, I decided to get a limousine, and we went up and saw Lucero in concert, and also I got, like, VIP up-close seating, because the tickets were almost the same price. And I was like, well, shit, if they're almost the same price, because you go to Red Rocks, and it's, like, mostly unassigned seating, and it's these long benches. So then it's like, by the time the show starts, people are trying to pack in and get wherever they can to get close to the stage, and it's just a nightmare. I hate it. But this way, you're actually, the amount of people who are supposed to be in an area are in that area, and we were super close, and it was great. The other one was the same band at the Botanic Gardens, and it was a BYOB event, um, which... I sort of didn't believe until we were like inside the park and I had a backpack that was just full of beer. And it was, it was just so different because I'm used to seeing Lucero at these shows where it's like everybody's wasted and, you know, some guy is like falling over on top of Nicanor, just passed out, standing up. I mean, just weird stuff happening. Somebody always gets kicked out, all this stuff. Then we go to this one at the Botanic Gardens and everyone's politely seated. And I was watching someone across the way with like a charcuterie board and they had like a real knife. And it just blows my mind because I'm like, I don't know if I've ever been to a show of theirs before where they would have let me in with a knife. Let alone, I'm just, I just have it out. That was a fun show. Next is go camping. I've done many campings. I haven't done it, you know, it's like something I did in my early 20s a lot and I have not done in my 30s like at all. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I just got burned out on camping. It's like I'm the worst Coloradoan ever because I'm just like, you know, I did this stuff a lot when I was a kid. I went skiing, I went camping, I went hiking, I did all this, and now I'm like, eh, you know, maybe I could just, uh, I don't know, ride a train. 
<laughs> through Indiana. Ride a roller coaster. Yes, ridden many a roller coaster. I mean, who hasn't ridden a roller coaster? In your entire life, you never had a, a decision to get on one. Kind of have to force a kid to get on one, but you know, they'll thank you for it someday. Uh, that made it sound like I'm a, a weird vigilante slash criminal who kidnaps kids, puts them on a roller coaster, and then brings them home. And I'm like, see, what was more terrifying, being kidnapped or being on that roller coaster? Have some perspective. Uh, play an instrument. Well, I took ill-fated piano lessons, ill-fated guitar lessons, and I did play the clarinet for a couple years in band in school. Uh, ended up with clarinet because it was like, well, I'm not going to be in choir because I can't sing. I'm not going to be in orchestra because stringed instruments seem dumb. And uh, I'm going to be in band, but I don't want to play anything that's heavy because... At that time, I was like, well, you got to carry this thing home and practice all the time, right? So I was like, what fits in my backpack? And I was like, well, the flute. And I was like, well, that's going too far. Uh, I didn't have a strong sense of my own masculinity at the time, but stronger than uh, deciding to play the flute, I guess. So I went clarinet, which was basically the same thing, but whatever. Um, get kissed? I've been kissed before that happened. Get a credit card. Well, it took a while, but I, now now I get credit cards all the time for Helpful Snowman LLC. Uh, one of the more humiliating times of my life was, so I was flying back and forth to Portland, Oregon every week uh, on Frontier because it was cheap and they had a flight that left at the right time every week. Um, and so a thing that Frontier does that's really great is they force you to sit through their spiel for their Frontier credit card. Um, they're like, get this credit card, you know, get all this stuff off. And it's like when you're there, like listening to the safety thing, and then they do the credit card thing before you land. And I think everyone gets fooled into thinking like, oh, there's an announcement happening on the plane. This is important. And then they're like, why don't you want a credit card? Um, so I applied for it because I was like, well, if I'm flying in and out every weekend, this has to be to my advantage, right? Like, this can't not be good. Um, and I was declined. So then I had to get a different credit card where I think I had like a $200 limit or something. And, you know, the interest rate was probably like 800%. And then slowly build from there. So I did, I did it. And... But then, boy, did I resent that Frontier credit card spiel after I was rejected. Because I was like, couldn't, can't I, can I opt out of this? Can I just jump out of the plane? Because you guys are telling me about this amazing credit card you had, which we all know sucks. And I have to listen to the commercial for it. But, like, I can't have it. Start driving. I, yeah, I did. I, I drove. I took a uh, driver's ed, but I was like, almost too small to reach the pedals it was borderline and i had to like put the seat all the way up and the the driver's ed instructor because i was so short at the time and the driver's ed instructor was like uh it's dangerous to sit that close to the wheel because if the airbag deploys you know it hits you really hard and i was like well, what do you want me to do i can't in long in myself and also if they make the seat go this close 
you know, why would they make the seat go this close, but then the airbag will kill me if it comes out? That makes no sense. What's the point of the airbag then? And it's like, it's like I was scooting it up close because I just, I was like, no, I just enjoy driving this way. <laughs> uh, next is go on a road trip. I've been, I've been on some road trips. Um, I went on a very ill-advised road trip to Texas when I was in college because I basically had nothing better to do. And this friend of mine was like, oh, let's go see my girlfriend. And then when we got, so we drove like straight through, I don't know, 15 hours or something. And we're like getting into town and he's texting his girlfriend um, because he hadn't told her we were coming. And I realized at some point that what had happened was I had embroiled myself in a situation where he was kind of going down there to check on whether or not they were still boyfriend and girlfriend, which they kind of were and kind of weren't. It was horrible. Uh, visit another country. We went to, I went to Germany with my brother. That was, that was fun. He uh, threw up all over a dorm room shower. Much to his shame. So I thought I would share that here. <laughs> Give a speech. Um, I've done that. I gave, I gave a speech about my cat a couple years ago. I've probably given others. I don't know. I did, I did, give, I did do forensics in school. One of my uh, strangest memories of doing that was they had this thing called Student Congress where you would, uh, they would bring up an issue uh, like, you know, military action in Iraq, and you would, you would talk about whether or not uh, that was a good idea. And so Student Congress had, like, three awards. It was, like, you know, two people who did a good job. Well, okay, there was one person you got an award automatically if you were elected as the president of the Student Congress, which happened at the beginning before anything else, and you were just supposed to sort of preside over everything. Another one was for, like, the best speaker. And then there was a third award that I don't know what it was called, but it was something like People's Choice or something, which I, I realized that award could be won because you were most speaker. Um, because the thing is, you would have a vote at the end of who would win the most speaker award, and it was just everyone in the Congress. And I was like, well, if you've talked, like, ten times uh, a lot, People will vote for you because they're like, I don't even know who these other kids are. They talked like one time. I can't vote for them. So I just made it my goal to talk as much as possible. <laughs> and I did, and it worked. So there you go. Uh, I graduated high school. I barely made it to my graduation on time. They were upset because I was supposed to wear some kind of a necklace. I don't know. Ribbon? Something? And I was like, who cares? No one cares learn another language i learned i would say i learned german i did okay in that invest some money i have invested in the stock market i'm a stock bro now i don't know if you know that but like i've lost all the money i mean all the money so that's that's been a horrible experience glad i did that uh meet an idol um i met I met Tom Spanbauer. So that was good. Make a terrible mistake. Hmm. That's a hard one. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one unchecked while I think about it. Library. Oh, I did go to library school. Poonmaster flexes in the wings and reminded me. I did okay, so library school I ended up in because I applied for like three MFA programs and didn't get in. So I had made a deal with myself. If you don't get into these MFA programs, just go to library school, get a big boy job, and you know, go from there. That was probably a pretty big mistake. I would say. Uh, win a trophy. I did win a, a trophy in, in the aforementioned forensics. Friend of the show, Alec, and I did duet acting together, which was like you would do uh, a play and then you would, uh, you had like props, which was two chairs and you could, I don't know, move around and stuff. We had this script and we punched it up with a bunch of jokes and stuff, which I guess was not allowed. I guess part of what forensics is was you're supposed to like do the script exactly as it is. But I was like, we improved it. Isn't that better? I don't know. It's these these little like school activities have such dumb rules. It was like we made it more entertaining. Like we added a at the time, this would have been a, a in vogue joke where it was like we had a fight with the chairs while chanting Jerry, Jerry, like Jerry Springer, because that's what they did. So we would pick up the chairs and like hit them against each other like we were fighting. Good stuff. But, you know, of course, that's not in the script. Uh, so yeah, I, I, we did everyone a favor. We did everyone in that room a favor. It was so funny being in that, too, because you would um, you'd be in this room and it's like duet acting. And I remember some people it would be it was popular for couples to do it. And it seemed like couples would always do it like a male, female couple um, would be in there. And they always did something where it was like about spousal abuse or some serious shit like that. And so I, I distinctly remember one time I was in a room and uh, duet acting was not a popular event. So what you would have to do is be in the room and uh, you, would, you had to go three times. There would be three rounds. And so in a, in a popular thing like, you know, I don't know what they called it, but like a monologue event you would be with 50 other kids so you might see a couple repeats but in duet acting oftentimes you saw the same thing three times in a row because the rounds were exactly the same because there weren't enough people to have like switch em ups so I remember there was this uh, couple that we were with in all three rounds and it was a male female couple and what they would do is they'd come into the room uh and before it was their turn, they'd be sitting next to each other and holding hands and stuff and look intensely in love. And then they would do their performance, you know, and he would like fake slap her or something. And it was oh, this whole thing. And then they would like sit apart the room from each other. And the guy would be like glaring at the woman like he was going to kill her, you know, the whole time. And they put on this show three times and I was just like, OK, this is this is dumb. But whatever. They were, I guess they were method, as they say. I've climbed a mountain. That's the next thing. I've done some 14ers, as they call them. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> Run a marathon. I did that one time. Uh, I thought I was almost going to do it a second time. So the first time I did it, I just remember feeling like the training takes up a lot of your time. I mean, it, 
it takes a long time to run like a once you start getting into that like 15 to 20 mile practice run range you're just like jesus this is taking me a lot of just takes a lot out of the day and then the other thing is i don't know i would run like 20 miles i'd be pretty tired after that you know what i mean like i wasn't really up for doing a whole lot else it didn't help that i'm not i'm not a good am runner so i would go in the evening or I ended up having to do a lot of night runs because the training, the marathon was in like October. So you're in the thick of the training in like August. Sucked. But I, my most distinct memory is that I was like, um, doing my last training run, which is 22 miles. And the marathon is 26.2. So I was like 4.2 more miles. And I was finishing up this training run and I was really thirsty but I was like, you know, I could do another 4.2. It's like, if I just did another 4.2 miles right now, I could just skip the marathon and say, fuck it, because I know I had done it. And I decided not to do that, but I kind of regretted it. By the time I was at the starting line of the marathon, I was like, ugh, let's get this over with. Great attitude to go into it with. Uh, the second time I did it, I injured myself, so uh, I ended up not doing it. For that and other reasons but i was just like Ugh, whatever so maybe there's another one in my future i don't know learn to cook i'm gonna give myself there's no like half check but uh there's sort of a check there i i can survive i guess i could survive i could make food it doesn't say learn to cook delicious food i give myself a, a 75 25 success rate so that's pretty good Explore a cave. I went into a cave when I went to that uh, ill-fated trip to Texas. Um, and there was one part where it was a really tight fit. And I was not sure I was actually going to get through. And I was like, this is horrifying. I'm never doing this again. And I never did. Oh, see a volcano. I finally, I've hit one that I've not done. I assume that means in real life. And I'm going to assume it means like an active volcano. <laughs> That, um, you know, not just like, oh, in the ancient dinosaur days, this was a, a volcano. All right, I'm going to get this done fast so we can get through this. Graduate college, check. I did not go to my graduation, and I told the, and I went to pick up my diploma, and the lady was like, why didn't you walk? And I said my grandma had died, which wasn't true. But I was just like, and I don't think she believed me. But I, I in my head, I was like, I'm not going to tell you the real reason, which is, fuck you. My college, I did the work. I paid for it. I'll walk if I want, and I'll not walk if I don't want. Piss off. Um, have a long relationship. Check. Boonmaster Flex in the wings. Get dumped. Definitely done that. Sign a contract. Uh, when I was a kid, I signed a contract with my brother, where I think one of our chores was to clean the basement, and I signed a for $10 that I would do it forever. <laughs> That's how smart I was. Um, get an attorney when you're 10, if you're going to sign a contract. I also signed one with my mom that I would never kiss a girl. Because I was like, I just don't get it. It seems gross and weird. Why would anyone ever do it? And she was like, okay, you could sign a contract. And I was like, fine. I've, I would be happy to. She thought it was hilarious. I think she lost it, though, which is unfortunate. 
she probably should have held on to that for uh, getting the compensation. Uh, get a job. I've done that. Get promoted. I don't think I've ever been promoted. I don't know if that's a thing that exists in the world of work anymore. But uh, I've never received a like, you know what? We're pushing you up to this job. Yeah, I don't think so. Get a paycheck. That I've done. Get fired. I don't think I've ever been fired from a job. I've quit many a job. Um, someone tried to fire me once from my dishwashing job because I was quitting and they were like, you're not putting in your two weeks, so you're fired. And I was like, I'm not on the schedule. That was part of why I quit because I was like, I have to call you fuckers three times a week to see when you want me to work. And then you go, when did you work last week? And I was like, Sunday only. And they were like, okay, do that again. What the hell? Get in the news. I've been in the newspaper before. Or whatever. Vote in an election. Done it. Switch careers. Done it. Buy a house. Have not done. Get engaged. Get married. Have a kid. All in the same row. Uh, that's a no to all three. Now, have a kid is like never going to be checked. Probably. I guess it depends. I guess I could adopt a kid or, you know, be persuaded into that. Uh, but let's, let's not, let's just leave it. Teach your kid to walk. I'll never do teach your kid to talk. Nope. Watch your kid graduate. Nope. Watch your kid get married. No. Become a grandparent. No. Retire. I haven't done that yet, but God, do I want to. My God. Tell your grandkid a story. Nope. See a solar eclipse. I did that. Um, I did. It happened a few years ago and like solar eclipse glasses were a big thing. And I think there's another one coming fairly soon. And I was like, you know what I should do? Because you can get like a thousand solar eclipse glasses for like no money. Um, but then when the eclipse comes, they jack up the price and it's like 20 bucks. And I was like, you know what I should do? Get a shitload of them now and then sell them at the eclipse. And I was like, you could double your profits by selling solar eclipse monocles. Because uh, what do you need to see it in stereoscopic vision for? Some fucking black spot in front of the sun. Plant a garden. I've done that. Well, I planted plants. What's a gar What's the difference between a garden and a plants? Uh, travel the world. I mean, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna hit check on that. Turn 100. I haven't done. So I've done 49 out of 66 items. That's pretty good, considering that some are unavailable to me and that. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven are impossible unless you have a child. So I would be at 55 of 66. If I need to see a volcano, get promoted, get fired, buy a house, get engaged, get married, retire, uh, and turn 100. That's what's left on my list. So that's that's like a little preview, but I, I think the helpful Snowman 500 list is going to be much stupider than that. So I, I hope you're prepared. I hope you're prepared for the uh, imminent stupidity and the counting backwards fuck you nature of that plan. Um, lots of great stuff coming. Crockpot destruction. Um, that's about it. Hey, buy some of my books, okay? On Amazon. Or, you know, wherever ebooks are sold. I have, they're on like Barnes and Noble. They're on Kobo. If you even know what that is. 
Um, they're everywhere. They're on Internet Archive, so just get them there and download them and then review them. As long as you review them. Whatever. See you next time.